and welcome everyone. You're tuning into the I Get Buckets podcast. My name is Simon and I'm your host as always. And we are back with team number four looking at the draft previews and recaps of um, the fantasy NBA draft that we did as uh, I Get Buckets League. And we're kicking them out. We've got team number four lined up, ready to go. It's the big Lebronski, but that's an outdated team name. We're getting the new ones in hopefully quick soon. We're looking at Coach Jake, and we're going to project things forward. As always, you know the name of the game by now. Um, interesting kind of wrinkles now. Preseason is starting. We're getting some kind of glimpses of the players that we've drafted, and um, either people getting excited or down on some of the picks. Uh, preseason can give you a little bit of a thought and, and what's going on, so it's worth you know, paying attention, but as always, look at the lineups and who's playing and who's not, and um, they're always trying to figure things out and, and test, so some things are interesting, some things you can kind of throw away, but not only is preseason starters, ESPN has updated their 2023 projections, which are always a little bit all over the place, but again, it's it's kind of worthwhile to look what they think your player is going to average for the year and then completely forget about it. But um, anyway, it's there if people want to kind of have a look at it. Um, they've got some kind of algorithm robot that spits out what they think is going to, you know, the numbers are going to be. And if it's in line with your thoughts, then um, it's, it's handy to kind of see it there. But I mean, they've projected a lot of people to get a lot of minutes who aren't even with teams at the moment. So um, take it as you will. Um, excited for this team. I think there was talk on draft night that uh, Coach here was maybe the most underprepared out of everyone in the room, and he kind of nodded in agreement. but I think that's a little bit unfair kind of looking at the team. I think there's a, um, a lot of just kind of moves that needed to be taken, and while the people are, you know, shooting from the stars around him, taking the, the smart kind of allocations, and then having, a, you know, a, a couple of reaches at some point. Um, two players that I reckon are one of, you know, in the top five in terms of interesting players to talk about, which is nice. Um, we will be talking about both Ben Simmons and Michael Porter Jr., who were you know, among those, you know, 10 most interesting kind of players on where they were going to fall um, that I kind of went through uh, loosely at the start of the first podcast here. So to have two of them here on the um, the recap here is going to be interesting to delve deep into. So we're not going to spend too much time uh, on all of the players because I, I might want to take up a little bit of um, chat to look at those two in particular. So trying to keep it short, sharp, focused, and uh, locked in. So we go straight into pick four, the last one of this grouping where I feel like there's not much to talk about. Joel Embiid, easy pick. Um, you're just kind of banking on a near MVP-esque season from what he's you know done. I think you know he's hungry, just missed out last year. The Philadelphia 76ers are, are building. People are projecting them high again. Um, I mean... I think it's been two years removed from you know them being on the top of pro- for the projections. Everyone thinking they were a real title shot, and you know things have fallen short. But um, everyone seems quite confident about the team that they've they've kept, and and you know the addition of James Harden and what that's going to look like. And I think a lot of that you know is probably on point. I think they're going to be right up in the mix of it. Um, and Joel Embiid's going to be you know the biggest part of that if he can stay healthy. He's average of thirty nine. Um, last year, 39.8 is, you know, really pushing on those Giannis and Jokic numbers. So if he can stay on the court, I think, you know, 
he's just a, an automatic, easy top four pick who can really, at the end of the season, you know, potentially be right up there in that, that upper echelon with the other guys. Um, so banking on health at this stage, I think you kind of need to. He's shown enough, even though he's missed weeks, he's not really missing um, the extended length of times with niggling stuff that he feels like he's past that. And it's only, you know, the, the wear and tear and, and, and knock and freak accidents and injuries that every player, you know, is under um, risk of, of, of happening, especially, uh, you know, a player with the usage of Joel Embiid. So, you know, all the counting numbers, I think, will be there again. You know, one of the most devastating, you know, low post scorers can do it all. I like that he's put away the three-point shot a little bit, but still have it as an option and a weapon that he's got. Um, great pick, fine pick, the pick that needed to be done. Very happy to build a team around that. And then we kind of wait now, we go through to his second round pick at number 17. So Rudy Gobert has been a pick historically always in this late to second round that has repaid the faith to kind of be consistently around that, you know, eighth to 10th best player in our league. And that's not just banked on, you know, the fact of, of health, but, you know, him consistently being able to um, bring to the table his you know, specific skill set of, you know, rebounding and kind of putbacks and blocks. And he does that to such a high level that he averaged 32 last year. Um, Amazingly healthy and um, consistent for you to to, to peg as uh, someone that you can take in the second round and kind of set and forget and really help you in a week-to-week basis. The big question mark, obviously, is, you know, he's not in Utah anymore. He's in Minnesota. We had kind of that commentary on on both Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert how is that going to impact them I think it impacts Gobert less in terms of his skill set and just he's going to do what he needs to do um, out there I think the rebounds are still going to be quite healthy Um, he got taken two picks after Carl Anthony Towns so it's going to be interesting to see you know both of them share the court and how it um you know, the dynamic and the, the kind of the setup and the, the flow of their offense is going to work with both of them. Uh, obviously, Carl Anthony Towns is a very capable and um, keen shooter. So I think the spacing is going to be okay and fine. I don't think they're going to, you know, look to Rudy to do too much than he's already, you know, shown and done. Um, and they might stagger their minutes a little bit. Um, interesting if Gobert has this, you know, pick and roll kind of thing with D'Angelo Russell. Um, he's kind of been on record to say D'Angelo Russell um, can make passes that you know some he's never had you know a, a teammate be able to do and get him in the right spot. So I think there's a slight element you know of new team. How does it look? I want to see it first. But I think out of all the players that can kind of change teams, um, you've got your real kind of echelon upper stars. And then once you get after that, Rudy Gobert is probably top of mind of someone who I can plug and play in any scenario and get me, you know, the consistent fantasy stuff that I've been looking. So you look at, you know, games of, you know, 13, 14, 15 rebounds, you know, um, consistently. So his average of, you know, league leading rebounding quality, um, not having to do, you know, much with the shot. So your, your negative kind of turnovers and missed shots just don't really factor into his game at all. So um, I really had him... At 17, so exactly where I had him on my big board. Um, so there's no way I'm going to knock um, a pick. That's exactly where I thought he should go. Um, going next is another big man, and we we joked on the night consistent like he has kind of made a, you know a center and a center, and then a power forward slash center in his first three picks. Um, I don't you know think it's a big deal especially early in the draft and with with big men 
I think you can kind of find the guards and stuff around. We said it. I thought there was a lot of, you know, quality big men at the end of the, the draft. But what actually happened is it dried up pretty quickly, I think, as, as people kind of um, had their balance of their team and really just like, let's take the, the next best guy. Um, you know, centers um, kind of dried up, but, you know, he was able to, I think at this early, you don't focus too much opposition. Like, let me get the best player in and I kind of, I'll figure it out, you know, in those middle to late rounds. Like, first three rounds, take the, the quality that's there. And Anthony Davis is one that, if you looked on his average, would have been a top 10 player. Obviously, the injury um, and consistency and the question mark over the Lakers as a team and as a whole, you know, dent some of the, the, the draft confidence and where he's going to go. But a lot of, you know, people are talking about a bounce back year. I, I mean, I like to buy into that a little bit, but the problem is they've been talking about this, you know, bounce back. He's saying everything right, you know, thing for a few years now. And, um, what we did see of Anthony Davis was, you know, looks as, you know, we've always seen when he was, you know, a top three draft player on the court, but it's not as consistent. The attitude and the, the um, enthusiasm from game to game sometimes makes me a little bit worried. And, you know, I think it's still an element of risk and the Lakers, you know, have this Brooklyn thing as well in terms of how is it going to go? Can it kind of blow up? Um, we haven't had enough of the track record for Anthony Davis to, to be back to, you know, a top first round pick where he had been, you know, for a large percentage of the history of, of, of us as a league, you know, drafting here. So the fact that he slipped this low is, you know, the first time in, I would say maybe 10 years. And I had him at 19 on my big board and thought that, you know, that he deserved to be picked at the back end of, of the second round. But I think, the upside gets you there. And if there's a little bit of risk from other people, then I'd be very much happy to take him here. I think there's potential for really to, to pay off if you can get on the court and stay on the court at, you know, pick 24. Um, there's a lot of players that were drafted before him that aren't of the quality of Anthony Davis. And I think I'd be very happy to, to take him here. I don't think it's um, that late with all of the asterisks that we've kind of spoke about. Um, but I do think, you know, you've got to a point here where I'd be feel very comfortable where, you know, his average of 33.3 last year, you know, or 33.1 really puts him, you know, in the, the top 10. So I think it's, I think it's really fine. I think it's good. Um, moving forward for his next pick, we have Ben Simmons. So this is the one that everyone I think was like, okay, where's Ben Simmons going to go in this draft? Um, it's funny that, you know, the, the Ben Simmons, uh, JJ Reddick podcast literally drops like a couple of days, if not a day before we draft. And this is the first time we've heard him speak in the best past of 18 months on the record about how things are going. Um, going into the draft, you know, there's still a little bit of a question mark. Okay, is he fine to play? You know, we've heard that, you know, it's been long enough. He's been cleared, but, you know, backs are tricky. Um, we want to hear it, you know, confirmed from, from camp that he's ready to go and what, we knew on draft night and now it's slightly different, but I think um, the confidence from coach taking him here was the assumption that he's good to go, that the minutes um, restrictions really not there, that they're going to um, assimilate him into this basketball team and he's going to really be 
a huge focus point of them, you know, either running point or playing this kind of small center, um, getting back to all the things that we've known Ben Simmons to do when he was a, you know, late first round, early second round pick consistently for, you know, two or three years, the all NBA kind of defense, um, you know, all star passing, um, finishing all of this stuff that makes him, um, you know, a generational kind of, um, player that he was when he was drafted at number one. Um, the essence of it's there. It's just building this confidence back and seeing it on the court because it's been so long since we've done it. And the fact that he's sharing, you know, the court with these other all-stars that kind of suck the oxygen a little bit in terms of the offense. And I think with Ben Simmons and his stock on fantasy, um, there was enough confidence for me to think that um, it's going to be okay to play. Um, the reasons why, you know, he didn't play for most of last season weren't his back. It was more um, the mental health and the contract, you know, holdout and situation with Philly. So everyone would have been like, okay, where's where's Bim Simmons going to go? Um, it's a risk to take him at some point, but he can pay off for you. And that's when, you know, initially I had him at around my kind of 54, 55 mark. Again, just after that drop off, I said it before, I really thought the quality of you know, people this year, you know, from this maybe like 30 to 50 mark, we're really deep. Like there's a lot of good NBA players here. And then I kind of drew a line and said, okay, well, there's the break. And then there's these few guys after that. And Ben Simmons should be in that 20, you know, or that 30 to 50 mark. But because of the asterisks and the confusion, I have him just outside of that 50. But after listening to the podcast, coming into draft night, I bumped him up 10 spots. I'm like, all right, I feel comfortable to have him in now. I have, I feel comfortable to take him ahead of the likes of Christian Wood um, and Julius Randle. And let's think, you know, is he around that same mark as Kyrie Irving? And I had confidence in that. Um I'd pick 37 here. I do think it's it's like it's a little bit early because not only are you kind of banking on him playing, but you, you're banking him to, to really return to form a little bit and give you the numbers that um, you've been confident or, or seen in the past. Like I think it's going to take a little bit of time in the situation is that he's not automatically with he's playing back to this top 20 kind of player. I do think, you know, we're stacked and we can list off 20 players that it's going to be really hard for him to be better than so okay get rid of that what's this next block can he can he be as good as um a jimmy butler or you know darius garland or even a De'Aaron fox who are other players taking this round and i think if things go right he will be pushing you know that kind of um block but i'd like i do think it's going to take a little time and we we had a preseason game today which he played and i was able to watch a little bit of it and it, like it does feel like I think he's going to feel it out and that um, the handle is going to come back a little bit and his familiarity with his teammates are going to be there. But the IQ is there. It's building his confidence that he wants to go to the line, that you know he is you know willing potentially to take shots that aren't just dunk a spot kind of finishes or, or finger rolls or um, you know kind of jumping dunking over you know um, some of the the defense when it kind of falls back and he cuts from the top. Like I think it's going to be there, but it's going to take a little bit of time. So I would have been a lot more comfortable taking him like a round or two later. Um, it's a huge risk. I do think if everything goes well, we can sit back and say um, it was the right pick here. Um, but I think, you know, on the balance of, you know, um, possibilities, you've, you've really kind of taken a leap to think that he's going to, 
automatically come back and, and play the way that he does. And I hope you're right as a Brooklyn fan. I'm, I'm really kind of supportive of him getting back. I just think, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's going to be a whole kind of season journey and that's not even taken into consideration. You know, backs are tricky. Um, we can, you know, potentially see a flout where then he misses an extended part of time. So you're betting on not only him coming back and playing well, but his health a little bit. So, um, yeah, thoughts on Ben Simmons. I'm not totally out on him taking in here. I think um, I was a little bit surprised he went early, but, you know, this was probably the round where people in the room were like, okay, next round, if people who I'm super attracted to aren't left on the board, um, now's the time to maybe bank a Ben Simmons while I can. So Jake's just, you know, was the first one here to to really look at that as an option and whether he, he loved what he heard from the JJ podcast or if he's just thinking that, um, ben Simmons back means that he's a top 20 player. Um, that's, you know, that's him to, to, to say. And, you know, I'm not going to say he's wrong, but I think everything needs to go right. Um, next pick, and we go back to Zach Levine, which I think is a very handy one. Zach Levine's become a little bit, like, unsexy. <laughs> um, so pick 44 here. I think with DeMar Rosen, you know, in the fold, who dominated and, you know, had a... What would have looked like, you know, this top five kind of MVP guy for, you know, 60, 70% of the season, um, you know, sucks a little bit of the oxygen around, you know, what Zach Levine does. Um, you know, he was a little bit hurt last season, but I think he's, you know, back to being fine. He averaged 25.5 last year. I think that's very healthy and is very replicable. I think the Bulls have a lot of question marks in terms of their construction and their path to to winning games and what it looks like and who's going to chip in other than this, you know, known quantity that is Vooch and DeMar DeRozan and how that kind of contributes to winning. And I think Zach Levine is the the big kind of uh, tipping point in terms of, you know, them being better than what they were last season or, um, you know, them falling off a little bit. Um, we've seen everything there. And I think it's just if he can consistently do what he's done and, um, he makes he, you know, he makes great value here at uh, 44. So I had him at 39 on my um, list. So I think this is really consistently a, a good kind of t- area to get him um, in that bracket of players where I think you know they're star power, you know, potential all star quality guys um, that you can, can you can get in you know this round five and six still. So I like that. I think it's um, a smart ad, maybe one that was on top of the auto draft and he's gone, but that's fine. That's what the auto draft's there for, to give you suggestions and sometimes people overlook it. Um, going now to his next pick around six, we've got 57 and he took the plunge on Christian Wood. So um, the thing is Christian Wood, he's never really played on a good team. So this is going to be his first opportunity to play, I think, with winners, to play with someone like Luca. I think can only be good for him. Um we need to kind of want to see the offense and what it looks like when it's not just kind of a, a good stat bad you know team. So there's a little bit of apprehension from me kind of want to see how it looks like and that his average of last year is most likely going to trend down. Um, but I mean, saying that he averaged 26.2 last year. So it's a big number. Um, Houston were a little bit weird on what they were doing, um, but they when they really went to Christian Wood, the numbers were... Um, consistently good enough for, for me to feel that it's really going to kind of translate in some way, especially because Dallas is a little bit weird. I like a lot of their wings that I got, but 
they're trying to figure out what it looks like with the the big man rotation of Kleber, McGee, even Dwight Powell and Christian Wood. They say, you know, he's going to come off the bench. Um, it seemed to be a quite known fact, but then when you hear Christian Wood at media day saying that's news to him, I, I mean, I don't love that. <laughs> um, but I think out of these guys that we've said, I, think I like Kleber and I think they like, you know, the matchiness with it. And McGee's going to get, you know, some time. But Wood's going to be uh, a real sixth man kind of uh, offensive punch. Um, we've seen he doesn't really need, you know, the big minutes to do what he does. Um I, you know, had him at that real, real end of that, you know, 30 to 50 group, ranked 49 on my board, saying he's the last person I want to take <laughs> really out of these these guys that I think have got fantasy pedigree um, and happy for someone else to take the risk on him. But, you know, we've got to a point now at 57 where I feel quite, you know, you know comfortable that maybe he's looking at the same as me. So, okay, well, um, he's the last of these good guys and he's still here on the board. So um, I'm happy to take him here and I think it's it's a it's a good time to do it. So again, maybe one that was um, there queued up to say, you know, he's a guy to take and maybe that's, that's being a bit unfair because I think it's a good pick. Um, going through now round seven. So we're getting through them and I like it. Malcolm Brogdon, one who... Obviously, we, we start with, you know, being traded away from the Pacers and now with the Boston Celtics who there's a little bit of unknown in terms of his role and how he fits in. He's been a real kind of fantasy darling for, for teams in the past few years in terms of someone who's consistently got a really good average and when he plays has been, you know, really beneficial, consistent weeks of, you know, big scores. Doesn't really ebb and flow as much for someone of his, I guess, role and um, star power, like he, he can be relied on a lot more than you think. Um, I guess the issue has been health. You know, he hasn't really had a, a season in a while where he's, you know, played a lot of games, I think. So um, last season was a little bit of a throwaway um, for the Pacers, even though, you know, his average comes back at, I think it was 23 uh, last year, 23.6, which, you know, is mammoth. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he played 36 games last year. 56 the the year before has never played over 64 apart from his rookie year where he was rookie of the year um a long time ago now but um this now in the new season so if you if you throw away the health stuff um i think you know he's been added to be more of this kind of you know scoring punch off the bench um an ideal you know better Derek white for them i guess is what i was looking at but I mean, I come in and immediately say, well, Marcus Smart has proven that he's um, deserved to kind of start point guard and that's his role. And um, they fill out the other pieces where Brogdon comes off the bench. And I want to see a lot of the, you know, how the minute shakes out before I bet on him. Um, so I had, you know, too many question marks for me to, to really want to invest in him unless, it, unless he fell. Um, so that's why I had him at 89 on my board. So I, I do think that at 64, it is it is early for me. But I will, you know, preface with the fact I had him lower than a lot of the mock drafts and the boards and stuff because I was just a little bit concerned. And my, my thing was like, do we really think that he's better than Marcus Smart on this team moving forward? Um, so I wasn't going to look at his average of last year and push him up. But, I, you know, you've seen years and years kind of go past where, I'm 
you know, I am quick to be dismissive of, of averages of last year's for, for some players that I don't, you know, get fall in love with their role. But then, you know, you see them kind of churn out and, and bring a familiarity to their game that does translate. So um, I do think it's a risk. I do think it's early, but I think it's one, you know, that can become fine if he stays healthy. Um, I'm not that concerned about him coming off the bench because I th- still think he'll he'll get to a level if he stays healthy that makes this okay. Um, but I wasn't really excited to to kind of take him this year. I guess is my is my thoughts. Um, but moving forward, round eight, um, pick seventy seven, Michael Porter Jr. Um, we all know that I'm I'm a big fan of Michael Porter Jr. the The shot is sublime. It looks beautiful. Um, I like the dynamics and he's kind of, even though he's got a broken back and a lot of the time you watch him, you're like, he doesn't look like he's giving effort as much as I'd like. Um, in terms of like, if I'm viewing as a coach, he must feel frustrating, but there's just elements to the game that look so easy. Um, if he applied himself and when things click, it all kind of comes together for him. Um, the rebounding kind of went away from him last year, but even as he was growing into his, his offensive game, the rebounding was was something that you know really seemed to come easy um, with his height and his um, ability to time his jump from the weak side. Like I think that's something hopefully he leans back into and he can get back into his game because the offense is beautiful, the touch is great. He's very willing shooter, even though you know sometimes I feel like he should be passing a little bit more. The defense has been obviously talked about a lot that he's a vulnerable, um, a liability. He doesn't rotate. He doesn't put in effort. I, I felt like we got that coming together before, you know, last season. And I feel like it's it's an area that he's shown willingness at least to kind of step, you know, to get forward. And, and when he did that, that's when, you know, they can play him, you know, these big minutes and rely on him on offense. And I think he fits well with, you know, Jokic. And I, I really like a lot about him. But obviously last year he, he was a turd to start. He averaged 14 on a lot of game, like over the course of his games. And then... You know, he, he had this serious back issue that ruled him out for the whole seasons. And this is not just last season freak injury. This is something that consistently has plagued him throughout his um, his career where he's only really had, you know, one and a half healthy good seasons that he's put together. Um, so it, it becomes a really dark horse, hard one to peg. Um, I, I felt myself chopping and changing on my rankings, having him high and then dropping him down and then moving him back up and... I felt like it was more of a on the day how I felt about who's left and, and when it's time. If I'm panicked, um, maybe I can, you know, snap him up and just cross my fingers and pray. It's great that he played preseason today, um, you know, get through that mark. Things come together. I had him at 96 on my board, but I mean, I had double asterisks on him because I was really confused on where people would think that to put him. Um, 77 opens you up to getting hurt because of this real, you know, realistic possibility that he misses chunks of time. And if the back, you know, flares up or something goes wrong, um, his whole season can get derailed. So this is early enough for that to really hurt you. But I'm trying to put away that sample size of early last season in a box and say, nah, let's look at, you know, what he did the season before, what he did to earn that, you know, max contract extension with, you know, clauses in it in terms of how many games he can play to get it. But there's a reason why people like him. There's a reason why Denver wanted to invest in him so much because the intangibles of what he does on offense um, are really, really um, something to to grab hold of and take stock in and, and to invest in. Um, 
So, with all that said, um, I'm kind of okay with you risking it here as long as you <laughs> there's an awareness that um, it can come back to hurt you. But looking down, you know, the next, um, you know, round or so, whether it's Colin Sexton or Hunter or Jeremy Grant or Sadiq Bay, I like Porter better than all of these guys. I think these are the risks that you kind of want to take if you want to not just make playoffs, but um, in Jake's case, you know, get to, you know, a real championship and give you a shot to get your name on the trophy for the first time. So um, he went like pick round four or five last year and it was a bust. Round eight, I could swallow it a little bit more, but um, uh, what, what is it? Buyer beware. Watch carefully what's going to happen here, I think. Um, round nine, we look at his next pick, Jeremy Grant. So um, I think I just you know mentioned him and, and, and someone on draft night. I was setting, I was ready to pick in the next pick um, a lot because he was a power forward and making the need. But not only do I like his fit in Portland, you know I think he's going to be able to to get back to not only showing what he did in Detroit that made him you know a first offense option and, and you know flew him up everyone's draft boards, but also you know sit into not having the burden um, of, of having to, to be that guy night after night and kind of him and his body and, and, and how it's kind of working. You know, Portland have, you know, Damian Lillard and, you know, pieces around him that are going to make his game a little bit easier. So we're going to see that blend of, you know, all the things that he did in Denver with this added kind of opportunity in Detroit kind of meld into, I think, what is a good scenario for him to, to showcase what he can do fantasy-wise to the point where I think 84 is a really good point for him to, to go. So um, I think that was, you know, smart drafting from him to kind of take him here. So I'm just trying to find where I had Jeremy Grant and I had him at 65 on my board. So I think an average of 20.4 last year is the the floor on really what I think he's going to do because I think he was always this kind of trade guy and he had one foot out the door last season with Detroit. It was a bit weird. They were moving in another direction and, I know they, they paid him and got the asset and kept him so they could flip him. And I think it was, you know, a, a mutually beneficial agreement for him to kind of um, move out and go to Portland off the back of, you know, the league kind of knowing more about what he can do and him getting his money, obviously. So I think it's a really good pick. I can get behind this one, one that I would have taken and one that I like. Um, thumbs up. I think I'm, I'm saying a lot of positive things over the whole course of the um the every review and I think because people are switched on and um, I think there's a, there's a lot of picks that um, it's hard to kind of be down on and and I think you know there'll be the luck and injuries and game to game how people go but I think you know people have been smart enough to take guys at the right time mostly um, Mitchell Robertson next I, I mean I'm not going to be hugely positive about this one but that doesn't mean it's bad I just I'm out on Mitchell Robertson and what he can do I know he got paid but I'm like we've been waiting year after year to kind of see what he's going to be you know, New York Knicks fans, you know, yelling from the rooftops how much Mitchell Robertson was better than Jared Allen when he was in Brooklyn. And it's just not the case. He's very simple. He does what he does. Um, you know, he's got this, you know, room protection dunking kind of thing, but he's a foul liability. I think he's useless in certain matchups when they go small. They can kind of attack his body a little bit. And if they want to kind of draw him out with D, I'm worried about what the next step is for him. I think they pay him and keep the asset and hope that, you know, things come together. I know we've seen glimpses when he's, you know, been healthy that he can be kind of like this 15-15 guy on really efficient shot attempts um, that make him a, a real kind of fantasy asset. But I think I'm, 
it's it's been long enough for it to get together of him being taken, you know, consistently in round ten for me to get super excited when we we haven't seen it. I am worried that the Isaiah Hartenstein um, can be a, a problem for his ceiling in terms of fantasy because I think Hartenstein works really well with the matchups that are going to go. I think we're going to see a lot of fourth quarters, the quarters that are close where they're going to play him instead because I think he meshes well and he's got a little bit more offense, but he can still bring that defensive prowess. I was thought that was a really underrated signing and I'm just a little bit worried about um, just the view that Mitchell Robertson you know, is a you know double double rebound block guy automatically. Um, I'd be looking at his minutes and kind of projecting exactly what he's going to be. Um, but I, I to and fro from you know loving him as a fantasy option, um, and has mostly been positive until this point where I'm just like, okay, I'm I'm a little bit out on what it is um, at this point because I've seen enough. But um, we'll see. You know, <laughs> again, question mark. Um, Karis Levert. So another. You know, player that I feel quite familiar with, um, and if you hear, you know, Cleveland's training camp, they're really wrapped about what he's going to bring. There's even talk that he is, you know, going to start. I think he's more likely, you know, going to cook off the bench. I think he is what he is, and I think you know this is potentially a little bit early here. You know, pick 104. Um, I want, you know, I have become a little bit out because I know everything that we've we've seen with the scoring. Um, has been great, but the inefficiencies, um, the lack of a consistent, you know, three-point shot, especially on catch and shoots, um, he's, sh- he's shown you can kind of take you off the dribble and be quite reliable to force an offense when he when he needs to. I mean, I do like the the pick and roll with Jared Allen. I think him and Evan Mobley could probably vibe and get a good um, outlook. I do really enjoy, um, you know, him off the bench, you know, looking to score and you know, giving the opportunity when he's needed. But I think Donovan Mitchell and Garland, I think they're going to stagger them a little bit. And where does Karis Levert's skill set kind of fit in? I think enough teams have kind of seen him and been a little bit out on his contribution to winning basketball. And that where it makes me a little bit worried that we're going to have um, not much other counting stats. Turnovers have been an issue in the past and we're going to have this inconsistency of his scoring from night to night enough that I'm happy to take in quite late. But, you know, in round 11, there's still a lot of players that um, I'm quite excited on above Kyrus Levert, who I think has been relegated down, um, I guess, the the ladder in terms of fantasy potential at Cleveland. And I know we have the big four early and then a real break on on who else is going to be there. And then Kyrus is probably this next guy. But I think, um, as much as it pains me to say it, the book's been a little bit written and um, I'm not super um, open to um, him adding this new element that makes him a little bit more versatile and, and, and friendly and efficient uh, in what they're doing at Cleveland. But um, that's just through the lens of, of fantasy and through the lens of you taking him at 104 um, in pick 11. But um, he's a quality person that you add to your team and um, someone who who is going to get the opportunity at least at some point. So in that in that kind of respect, it's not going to be a bust. I just don't know if he's going to reach the the levels of what he has done last year, especially if you look at his average of 18.9. Um, I'd be a little bit worried, but that's okay. Um, John Wall, <laughs> he has kind of swung for the fences a little bit, um, and I like it. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe not. I want to see it. Pick 120, uh, 106, 17, 
117. He'll start. And it's just, we haven't seen him. I know Reggie Jackson's still there. The injury's been a thing. I'm not expecting him to kind of like come in and wow us. I know when he had that season at Houston and, you know, he was, people got excited about him. I think he went like around six or seven for us that year. And I was like, oh, I don't like that at all. I mean, he's not on that contract. We're not, you know, worried about there's going to be this point where they kind of tell him to go home. No, no, he's he's here. I think he's bought in. I think I know what his role is. I think the year off has humbled him. I think there's a lot of signs that would say, um, if can he get back into the flow of, you know, using his speed and um, getting to the rim, can the shooting kind of be, because he's going to be afforded more space. He's not going to have the focus. You know, they've got Paul George and Kawhi there. They're really deep, the Clippers. I think there's there's stuff there that that makes me feel like he's he's someone that I'd want, um, at least just to kind of you know roll the dice on him. I think this is I wouldn't have wanted to take him any earlier than 117. I think um, we should be forgetting about you know who John Wall was and now looking at what John Wall is. Um, and in that respect, I think he has the potential to. To, to be a real long-term good get for, for Jake at round 12. Um, but I wouldn't have spent any um, earlier draft capital on him because um, there's a very likelihood scenario that he's a fringe fantasy kind of player in our league, I think. Um, but I think I think it's worthwhile. Someone was going to do it, and if you needed and you, you were happy with your depth, I think it's 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 a good one. To, to track along with the other risky picks that have been made. Um, James Wiseman has the feeling of risky, but it's probably not as risky as you think. I think it was more just um, he has missed last year. Um, his stock's probably low, but he's probably one that was a more legitimate sleeper rather than all these other guys were like, oh, a sleeper who got picked, you know, round seven, round eight. Um, he, he's probably, you know, more of this sleeper candidate. Round 13, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? When he gets his minutes, is he going to contribute? I think the answers are, um, is he going to play? Yes. Is he going to start? No. Is he going to contribute um, a lot? I'm leaning towards yes in his opportunities, but the big knock was, you know, how good a, a Golden State with him in the team? And I think the answer from Steve Kerr and, and what they were doing is they didn't, you know, like a lot of their lineups with James Wiseman there because of, you know, his inability I think to play within the scheme and, and switch and, and defend other people but I think they've given him you know time to build in and I think they're gonna give him opportunity early it's whether he grabs it with both hands and preseason's you know great but um, I think Golden State are in a you know a mood where they know who they are without James Wiseman and without Kaminga um, so they're gonna have to fit into what they're doing rather than them have been afforded this opportunity and I think he's got the pedigree and shown the the skill set that we're going to see it. But um, that I, I wouldn't be shocked if there's not a huge role for him in some games, um, and that's where the sleeper comes in. I think it's the right time to take him. Looking back at the draft, I was like, oh, if he slipped, maybe he was a really kind of interesting one to get in my next pick after. Um, so I think it's a great pick. It's smart drafting. Um, it's good fantasy kind of view, but. Be aware that it's not a lock because he's you know starting in in preseason. I think they like Looney and they know what they're doing at Golden State, so he has to fit in with them. Um, next pick, 
Rui Hachimura. I'm, I, was, I mean, I've been out on him now. Um, I think he took him last year, to be honest, and he was away for the team through personal reasons, um, and then it kind of flowed back in. I liked him as like this kind of bigger power forward. You can um, be creative around the basket, and you know his scoring looked, looked really good. But there's been times where where that isn't working. What else is he kind of doing for you? And I think they've they drafted him high enough that he's going to get some opportunity. But I think they've quite moved past the idea of of him at least you know him being enough a role automatically that you know he's fantasy relevant. So. Um, very interesting to see the minutes allocation. The Japan series games you can kind of throw out because they're in Japan and he's Japanese and they're going to, you know, showcase him. It'd be weird and um, a bit shit not to give him the opportunity. So I want to see a preseason game and then, you know, the first game of of how does he look within the rotation um, on what they want to roll out, you know, for the Wizards. And I I don't, you know, automatically think he's he's going to be a big enough role that we're going to see um, him being good enough to be rostered, I guess. But um, he's worth he's worth a gamble. There's a, there is a world where it kind of hits. Um, I'm just a little bit out. Um, and we'll wrap up quickly now with his last pick and Quinton Grimes, which I think is a fun pick. 144. He said it was a homer pick, but he's got to do it. New York. Um, people love Quinton Grimes. People think he's going to get played more. Um, I think I think the scoring could be okay um, in in short bursts. Um, it's whether he's consistent enough um, with what they're doing. But uh, you know, he might start. Yeah, <laughs> I think um, he could start. We'll see. Um, I just think it's interesting with with New York and some of the pieces that he's going to have to fit around and take his opportunities where he can for him to, to be fantasy relevant. But it's the last round. I don't care. Go for it. Um, there's a lot of a lot of other worse options you could have gone with. So we're all cool. Um, yeah, I think I think the, the team's going to be, you know, competitive. And I'd say that, you know, with the <laughs> um, with not be trying to be, you know, facetious, I think, you know, you've you've stacked a lot on on players that are risky. Um, Davis, Ben Simmons, Michael Porter Jr., Malcolm Brogdon, John Wall, Wiseman. You go up and down the list, and you're like, I like the idea of them, but things need to kind of trend right. Um, I think you've been smart to kind of get Davis where you, you have. Um, I think Levine's right, but I think Brogdon, Simmons, um, and Levert, like, and maybe even Porter Jr., just a little bit early, and you only need two of those things probably to go wrong, and it really kind of sets you back, and it's hard to replace in the free agency. So I think good vibes moving forward. I think reading the team comes out quite strongly, especially up top with your big man. You can rely on them, um, but I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be worried about some of the potential holes. Um, in that said, um, I do think I'm betting on health that Anthony Davis is his best pick. I think 24, we're going to forget quickly if he can be on the court, um, you know, that we had this <laughs> dip in Anthony Davis. Like, no, no, he's a top, you know, 10 to 15 player when he plays. Um, so I think we, um, it's hard with Davis, but, uh, you know, if I'm, I'm viewing it through the lens of health, I think that's a great pick. Um, maybe unfair, 
because you, you don't view everything through the lens of health if you've got the track record. But positive vibes, um, worst pick. It's hard. It's hard because there's, <laughs> there's a lot that don't scream awful, but I, I'd be, would be a little bit worried in. Um, I'm not going to do my boy Ben Simmons like that. Never. Don't you don't you even think that I'm going to do that to him. So um, we'll go with Karis Levert, <laughs> my old boy. I feel I feel bad, but I'm worried about you know him being a 140 to 150 kind of player that you've taken 104. Um, wild cards: Michael Porter Jr. Easy, um, and then the sleepers: John Wall. A lot to come and and see on the court. Um, if you listen to the Zach Lowe, Zach Lowe joke about it's the, the Dunder Mifflin Brooklyn Nets because they're only on paper at the moment. I feel like this is a team that on paper um, I can get behind, but I want to see it on the court. I want to see Mitchell Robertson, Wiseman, and Hachimura actually play and, and Malcolm Brogdon be healthy. So um, heaps of question marks. Let's see how it goes, man. Let's go. This is the name of the game. So um Thanks for tuning in again, and we're, we're pumping them out. We're going to have, hopefully, you know, a guest or two um, doing a couple of these pods, recapping my team and maybe another, but um, it's a fun journey, and we're counting down the days, and thanks for tuning in, um, and we'll catch you very soon for the next one.